Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are back live by myself. No one else is here this time. It's all back to me. No Zach, no Dan, no T-Boy, no nobody. It is just me, myself, and I. And we are here to give you another great edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It is 924 right now on this beautiful May 27th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know it's May 28th when you're listening to this, but I'm recording on May 27th. It was a nice day today. I don't know about Friday. Fridays are usually, like last Friday, it was supposed to rain all day. All day. So much so that my dad said, you just work for home. There's no real sense of coming into the office. I think it rained probably a total of five droplets the entire freaking day. Now, I could be wrong about that. I wasn't really outside that much. I was reorganizing my new room, as we talked about on Monday. And, yeah, nice day. Today, Thursday, nice day. Rained in the morning. Friday, don't know what's going to happen. But my allergies, because of this rain and the amount of pollen that's been coming off the pine trees in my neighbor's backyard, my allergies have been more or less just a giant-ass shit show. That is the best way I could describe the whole situation, and it is freaking awful. So, this might be bad. It might be a little bit of an oversight on my part. I decided to take a couple of Benadryl before today's show. So, I could be just completely zonked by the time this show is starting to reach its conclusion, and I will apologize about that, but I think it'd be kind of funny if I am like, struggling a little bit, like, man, I cannot stay awake, and I might need to slap myself a little bit, maybe for enjoyment of the audience, you might like that, because I know uh, YouTube audiences and stuff like that, I know this isn't on YouTube, and there's no video involved in this, thrive off of, like, challenges and pain of other people, like, in high school, if you ever went on your iPad and say health class, and it was boring, or Miss Sap didn't show up in time, which is a very regular occurrence, you would look up fat people falling, or people getting hurt, or jackass, or something like that. People getting hurt is something that is enjoyable to people. I don't know why. I've never really been one that enjoyed it. I always try to stay away from people getting hurt. Like, people are drawn to, like, sports injuries, like Kevin Ware, Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva, stuff like that. People getting knocked out, getting knocked unconscious, like Josh Cribs, or was it, or was it Messina, uh, Massacoy, right, for the Browns? I can't remember exactly who it was for the Browns. I don't think it was Josh Cribbs. Or Colin Sandeman for the Hawkeyes. People gravitate towards that stuff. I do not. I, I, I am one that likes to stay away. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, what was it Tony Ferguson's knee got dislocated or something like that? I ain't watching that. I never watched it, and I don't plan on watching it. I heard it didn't really look like anything bad, but hey, dude said it popped. I ain't going to see where it popped. I stay away from that, but I know people like it. So if you're one of those weirdos that absolutely thrives of other people hurting themselves, don't worry. I will more or less be slapping myself or more than likely be slapping myself by the time this show reaches its conclusion because I'll probably be falling asleep. I was planning on going to bed early tonight, but we were upstairs and the friends reunion thing happened that was officially out on HBO Max it could have been out for a while but my sister and mom had it up when I got home from work today so we decided to sit down and watch that and then my mom goes well what other stuff do you want to watch tonight guys and we're scrolling through there and I'm like oh the Dark Knight Rises pops up I'm like oh Dark Knight Rises is a good movie but you should look up the Dark Knight and I just found out my mom's never seen the movie 
So I was like, oh, we're play The Dark Knight. For those of you who aren't aware, it's about a two and a half hour movie. It's a little bit of a time commitment. And there's a lot of talking and a lot of some quiet places. Some like uh, lower levels of speak, I guess you could say. Or some slofter talking. So of course, my family being the awesome family that we have is loud as hell the entire time. The, at least the first half of the movie. And then the rest of the movie, we started to calm down a little bit. And I think that had a lot to do with my sister going over to her boyfriend's house. Because the movie got a lot more enjoyable and a lot less loud, <laughs> I could hear a lot more. Now, she, I felt like a freaking 80-year-old sitting there like, oh my God, why are we not? Why are you guys not quiet watching the movie? What's The Dark Knight? Why did you request to watch The Dark Knight if we're just going to talk the entire time? Or why did you allow me to say, hey, watch The Dark Knight? And you go, okay, I'm just going to talk the entire time. I don't know. But, I, you know, Dark Knight's on. You got to watch it. So I was a little bit of... I'm going to record a show after I watch The Dark Knight. So that's exactly what happened. And now it is a little bit later than when I was originally planning on recording a show, but we are here. And there was something on social media today that we have talked about at nauseum here on The Logan Blackman Show. is one of the most annoying things you can find on social media, at least annoying for me. I shouldn't speak for the entire world population, but if the world population really had a say on it, I think most of them would find it annoying as well. Some Americans might not find this as annoying, but it's the MLS's social media team. They popped up again. So obviously I'm assuming a lot of you have seen the video of Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, that whole beef where uh, Brooks Kepka is very just fed up and grr, I don't like that guy. When he walks behind him, he's doing an interview, Bryson walks behind him and ah, it's a whole funny meme thing. So MLS Twitter decided to pipe up again and posted a, oh man, with the rolling eye, the, the looking eye up emoji thing. And it's, it's called football with Brooks Kepko having an MLS hat on because it's, you know, Major League Soccer. Makes sense. Quit it. I know MLS Twitter is not going to listen to this, but quit it. I am tired as hell of talking about this stupid subject, but I feel like I have to say something every single time I see it because it irks me to my very core, and I can I just can't not talk about it when it rears its ugly head around. You, over half of your t- league, over half the teams in your league, or around half the teams in your league, have FC in their title. The F does not stand for soccer which is what this thing is referring to. It's called football that Brooks is rolling his eyes. You cannot say that and proceed to have 14 or so teams in your league have FC in your title. Now, I'm just going to go through the entire MLS roster, I guess. And this is another thing. Their website, which we've talked about before, is MLSsoccer.com. MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com, but that's a whole nother situation for another time. There's a lot of things around the MLS that can piss me off, and I love the MLS. I'm a big supporter of the MLS. I'm a big-time sporting Kansas City fan. I was technically a member of their academy. So I can say, once my Wikipedia page is up and running, since JUSC slash Sporting Iowa are a feeder club in sense to Sporting Kansas City, I could go, I played for Sporting Kansas City. I don't need to say which club I played for in the Sporting Kansas City system, but technically, I played professional soccer, so y'all can bite me on that one. But for some reason, I think the MLS's website's 
just not wanting me to do this. They're not wanting me to uh, expose them, I guess, because it's not nothing's popping up on their website. So we're going to have to go the old fashioned route and just go straight to Wikipedia. But this will be nice because it's got all the abbreviations already out there for me. Atlanta United, FC, 1, Chicago Fire FC, FC Cincinnati, Inter-Miami, CF, Club de Football, CF Montreal, same thing. New York City FC, that's 6. Toronto FC, that's 7. Austin FC, a new team that just found an existence this year. You could have started a trend and bucked the trend of the FC things, but no, you kept it. That's 8. Houston FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo, FC. They just added the FC this year. They rebranded. Los Angeles FC, LAFC, that's 11. Seattle Sounders, FC. Vancouver Whitecaps, <laughs> FC. Minnesota United, FC. You have 14 teams in your freaking league, and that's not even including Charlotte FC or Sacramento Republic FC. Two other teams. So 16 teams out of the, what, we got 27 teams league now. 16 out of the 30 eventual teams will have FC in their name. Over half, geez, sorry, of the MLS's teams will have FC in their name, and we're still going to post things about it's not called football, it's soccer. Shut up. Stop it. MLS is a league that is very young. Like when the Premier League first started, when the English Football League started, I shouldn't say Premier League because that just started... 30 years ago, when the English Football League started, it wasn't the greatest thing of all time. You weren't luring in the best players at that time. And now I know it's a different, a totally different era of soccer slash football where you're like, you're starting in the late 1800s to early 1900s as opposed to the late 90s to early 2000s. And even into the 2020s, as you see as Austin FC, Nashville SC, uh, St. Louis, Charlotte, Sacramento teams we just mentioned are starting to come into things. But this is what happens in the infancy stages of these types of leagues. It's not always the greatest thing ever. And there's little gimmicks every now and again, like the All-Star game, very Americanized. I hate how the MLS does it, though, with how they bring in a team from Europe to play their backups, and then they kick the shit out of the MLS, quote-unquote, the best players in the MLS, who are really just the biggest names in MLS, because that's all people know, really. Like Bastian Schweinsteiger, Andrea Perlo, those types of players. Now, they're not playing anymore. But those are the types of players that make the all-star teams instead of players that, you know, actually deserved it. Which fan voting is a whole other, uh, what do you want to call it, barrel of laughs, I guess, of stuff that we could get into. I'm not going to get into that because I think everybody has their own opinions on that. And it's very flawed. Like Taco Fall and Alex Caruso should be nowhere near reaching NBA all-star status, yet they lead fan votes. The fan vote's pretty irrelevant anyways, because then they look at the fan vote, see that, and then they just, they don't make the All-Star team. Because if fan votes really mattered, they would have made the All-Star team with how many votes they were getting two years ago. But I digress. But this is something that the MLS gets made fun of in American culture as a whole when you call it soccer instead of football. And I could go on a rant about the English scene. They have a whole show called Soccer Saturday. I'm not, that, like... You have stuff called soccer too, but it's just worse for the MLS because you have this whole thing. Your Major League Soccer and 16 out of your eventual 30 teams have FC in their title and you still post that it's soccer, not football. 
rebrand Atlanta, Chicago, Cincinnati, Inter Miami, all these teams, and put SC there. Just do that. And then you won't have these problems anymore. You won't have losers like me sitting in their parents' basement crying about why you keep posting the same old running joke that is just making you look stupider and stupider than what people outside of the United States already think you are. Us as Americans aren't very liked outside of the United States of America regardless. We're seen as very pretentious people by a lot of people's standards. The English people don't really like us right now as you see some of the biggest names in America sports ownership owning teams in England trying to create the European Super League and try to get games against Manchester United Man City played in Miami or Los Angeles. They're not very big fans of the Americans at this point in time. So this is another very easy thing to poke fun at when looking at a league that is very young and is not anywhere near the level of even the Netherlands. I was going to say the top five leagues in Europe, which are the Premier League, Serie A, Bundesliga, Ligue 1, and La Liga, which is England, Italy, France, Spain, and Germany. But the Netherlands, it's not even at the same level as that. You, Some would even argue it's not even the same level as the championship, which is the second level of the English football pyramid in England, obviously. Like, this is not something that you need to die on. And I'm tired of seeing it pop on my social media. I, I get this Brooks Kepka thing was a very funny meme. And it's just, it's tiresome. It hurts my brain every single time I see it. And I apologize for talking about it as much as I do. But I, can't, I just can't help it. It pops up. I only talk about this when it pops up on my timeline. And I'm cursed to see it. But it happens and I'm tired of it. If I'm ever the social media runner of the MLS or the commissioner of the MLS, that's the first thing I'm banning. Twitter, Instagram, you are not allowed to say, it's called soccer. Because you sound stupid when you say it. Call it whatever the hell you want. I don't care. It's the same freaking game. It's the same rules. Now, if the U.S. still did the NHL-style penalty shootout, then sure, you could have the big argument that's a different game. Which I love the <laughs> go. If you have never done this before, go back and watch some of the uh, infancy stages of the MLS and watch their shootouts. They are freaking awesome. <laughs> it is so funny to watch these things because it's again, it's a young league. At that point, that was the worst level the MLS has ever had. And <laughs> you look at some of the players and goalies. That are playing some legendary players of mine. I'm not, not saying they're scrub players by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, compared to the level that we think we are at now, it's totally different levels to this stuff. You weren't getting the likes of Carlos Vea, Javier Hernandez, Gonzalo Higuain, Zlatan. You weren't getting these types of players back in the late 90s, early 2000s. No, 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 no. Like Carlos Valderrama was a great get, but he spent his entire career down in South America. Great player, Colombian legend, but probably one of the greatest players in MLS history. Or not probably, he is, but you didn't get David Beckham. David Beckham coming here launched a whole new realm of possibilities for the MLS. And now he's got his own freaking team. And that got everybody wanting to come here eventually. Not when until they've reached the highest level of European football, then they decide to kind of come over to the MLS. 
Not a lot of people come over to the MLS when they still got plenty of years left in their prime like David Beckham did, as you saw as he went to AC Milan and PSG after he was done in the MLS. He still had plenty of years left. It was a shocking move when it happened, but the ownership thing, which was in his first contract with the LA Galaxy, was a big factor in that, and I had a David Beckham LA Galaxy jersey. Now, it was not an LA Galaxy jersey. It said Beckham all over the thing. But it was awesome. David Beckham is one of the greatest players of all time. To have him come to the fledgling MLS, which was about 10 years old at that time, you needed that. And I rocked my David Beckham jersey yesterday watching Manchester United lose on penalties to Villarreal in the Europa League final, which was... We're not even going to get into that whole situation. But man, stop with the it's called soccer thing. When you have more teams in your league called FC which stands for football club, or CF, which club football, or club to football, whatever. Stop doing that. It's not necessary. You look stupid. People already don't respect you outside of the the MLS. And most Americans, or not most, but some Americans out there still don't respect soccer as a sport in general. So this doesn't really help the American brand of soccer or football or whatever. Like, oh, this is real football. That is the dumbest argument In the history of sports, the battle between football and soccer on any level is the most annoying, tedious argument in the history of sports, in my opinion. Now, I played soccer my entire life. I followed soccer my entire life. I'm a massive fan of the sport. I go along the lines of calling it both at times. Like, you've heard me, when I talk about Manchester United or Real Madrid or teams like that, I'll tend to lean more towards saying football. But when I talk about the MLS, I'll say soccer. I go with both. I don't really have a preference. If you want to call it one thing, go ahead. If you want to call it another thing, go ahead. (laughs) I really do not care. But stop with this tweeting thing. Some people just need to get their social media accounts taken away, and I'm about to suspend the MLS's Twitter account for a little bit just so I don't need to see it anymore. And if I see it, Lord knows that means you're going to hear about it. <laughs> the, the loving people listening to this whole argument. Now, I could be just talking utter shite, and you might not even care about what I have to say right now, but goddamn, it pisses me off, <laughs> and I want to tell people about it. That's why I have this platform to, that I created myself. <laughs> no one gave me this uh, opportunity or this ability to just say, hey, You have to listen to what I have to say. I'm not taking any opinions from the outside world, okay? But man, it's good to be back. After two weeks off, we're finally back. I feel more comfortable this show than I have the past two shows. I liked Wednesday's show. I liked Monday's show. But Monday was a little rusty. Wednesday was a little different because I don't usually have guests on the show, so it's kind of interesting at points throughout the show in some good, some bad ways. Today, I feel more back in the swing of things. And when I see things on social media, it kind of builds up my eagerness to talk about something. And this was another thing that popped up where I have a little bit of a problem with it. This is PT Sports Talk. And you remember we had that little issue with that PT Talk Instagram account from last year where they had the Jets finishing 11-5? and Let's see if I... I still have the screenshot of that. I'll see if I can scroll back enough in my screen because I deleted a crap ton of pictures from the whole draft. You don't want to know how many screenshots 
I had regarding the 2021 NFL draft. And I I just purged my camera roll and my laptop just out of all my pictures. I got a ton of screenshots just on this next the desktop screensaver. So let me see if I can find this because it the reasoning is just so beautiful. And I like bringing it up every once in a while because this was a lot of people. It is a sad a lot of people, a sad amount of people that actually believed the Jets were going to be good because they finished their last season winning six out of the last nine games or something like six out of the last eight games on the easiest schedule in the NFL. This is something, again, we've talked about ad nauseum. I feel like I've just said the same thing that we've said in thousands of shows that we've had, and we're nearing thousands of shows, if you think about it. Like, dating back to William Penn, we're well over 100 shows on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I've only been doing that for a little less than a year. So, or maybe a year. Maybe it has been a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, man, this was awesome. (laughs) 11-5, AFC champs, team MVP Sam Darnold, Man, this is another hit-or-miss team. Yeah, I'd say you missed, finishing, you know, nine games worse than what you predicted them to be for years, but for a few reasons, I'm really buying into this team for the next breakout team. Huh. <laughs> this past offseason, they really attacked free agency by getting Brashad Perriman in the free agency. Oh, man. Oh, man. Attack the draft with a clear strategy. Get Darnold some solid receivers, didn't, and get Darnold some protection. They lost their number one guy. Replace him with Rashad Perriman, who's been on seven teams or something like that in about five years. Yeah, you really attacked that. And got him Mekhi Becton. Fair move. Fair move by the Jets. They did both. They get a locker room cancer out, albeit he was good. Yeah, Jamal Adams is pretty good. And now seemingly so this defense is closer than ever. They also seem to be holding themselves to a higher standard, which they don't, because Adam Gase and Greg Williams still exist. Now they're both out, as you saw with the whole Raiders situation, all out blitz on the last play of the game. Beautiful stuff by the Las Vegas or the New York Jets in that game. You may just see the same old Jets, and we did, but I see a new Jets, and I am here for it. I wish this account. I don't know if this account still exists. Actually, if I were them, I would just did what I should, what the MLS Twitter account should do. Whenever they feel a urge to see to post a it's called soccer not football thing. What is this called? PT.insider. PT.insider. They gotta still have their Instagram account. Oh, they do. Oh, yes, they do. Beautiful. They have 15,000 followers. How the hell did this team get man? Oh, good lord. Ah, oh, they purged their Instagram! <laughs> They purged their Instagram. No way. They purged their Instagram. Their last tweet now is from January 14th. It's from Urban Meyer getting hired by the Jaguars. They purged their Instagram. No freaking way. They actually did it. Oh, yes, but someone someone screenshotted their prediction. And it's a Jets page called Jets Police. I don't know if it's actual Jets plates, but uh, you're joking, right? They're lucky if they get more than six, and they're sweet. They aren't sweeping the Bills or beating the 49ers. Aids like that need to stay off sports. Man, oh man, I can't wait till Week One. Going to be a lot of haters called analysts surprised with the Bills. I don't know why people were surprised with the Bills. I had them going 11 and five. I had them going nine and seven the year before. They went 10 and six. I had them going 11 and five last year. They went 13 and three. I don't know why people were so hating on the Bills, but that. 
is awesome. I they purged their Instagram. Oh my god. <laughs> They lost Robbie Anderson and gained Mims and Perriman. Barely an upgrade. Exactly. Overpaid for two old linemen and drafted a raw talent. Upgrade. Lost Jamal Adams and gained McDougal. Downgrade. Lost CJ Mosley. That is the worst prediction I've ever seen in my entire freaking life. And I that makes me smile with the biggest grin that they actually purged their Instagram account. That is actually, that is hilarious. That's hilarious. Their predictions were spot on. And I'm so happy we discovered that Instagram account because I'm not ever deleting that screenshot. But back to what we were originally talking about. PT Sports Talk. Hopefully not connected to them. They had quite a bit of followers as well. But they put out their top 10 quarterbacks going into college football. Now, this is different. Okay, Some people might not understand this because there is two things to to think about here. This is not saying top 10 draftable quarterbacks, okay? This is saying top 10 quarterbacks in college football. Like, some people might say Sam Ellinger was a top 10 quarterback. I don't know who, but there's people that would say that in, like, college football. But he was not, didn't get drafted. I mean, he is one of the top 10 quarterbacks that got drafted. But let's, let's, let's talk, okay, top five quarterbacks. Let's narrow it down a little bit. I guess I shouldn't have brought in Sam Ellinger with that. But you have quarterbacks that are good college quarterbacks, not great NFL quarterbacks. You look at the 2000, uh, what year was Tim Tebow drafted? Whatever, 2008 when he won the Heisman or whatever. 2007, 2008. Tim Tebow, Colt McCoy. Legendary college quarterbacks. Colt McCoy's had a nice NFL career as a backup quarterback. Tim Tebow is now back in the NFL as a tight end. Who they are apparently going to use in some Taysom Hill sets. No freaking way. Who would have predicted that? That's what he should have been doing the entire freaking time. Now, he looks good for being back in the NFL at the age of 34. But, man, there's no way he can't look at this and go, man, this is... Taysom Hill had a lot to do with his coming back to the NFL. Had to. Had to do something with that. A lot to do with that. Like, that's... I just saw him sign a massive-ass contract. Now... Why am I sitting at home playing for the freaking Mets batting 210? Why am I doing this to myself? I'm in minor league baseball. Which is not a situation you really want to be in. Nothing against people who play in minor league baseball, but it's not the greatest of living circumstances. And you're not traveling first class like in the majors. No, 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 no. Not to the level of what Tim Tebow is expecting. Or requiring. Now he's back in Jacksonville, old college coach, Taysom Hill contract, here's Tim Tebow. People are shocked that he's back. Those are the two reasons he's back. Urban Meyer, Taysom Hill. That's it. There's no other other necessary digging there. That's literally it. I hate that we've gone to this point where it's making national news of we got to talk about and hyperanalyze the situation. No. His college coach is the Jaguars coach. They live, like, next door to each other. Taysom Hill just signed a massive-ass contract. Taysom Hill is doing exactly what Tim Tebow should have been doing. And he just, he was playing minor league baseball. It is not uh, an insane thing to happen. Now, do I think it'll work? No. I'm not of the idea that I think this is a smart move, but it's not, like, what? I can see how it happened. Okay, does that make sense? I can see how it happened while also not agreeing with the situation why it happened, okay? 
I don't know. But we're go, we're going off topic here. But this is their top ten quarterbacks going in to next season. So you got Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, one and two. You'll see that in most lists. Maybe flipped around in some lists. DJ Uagalele from Clemson. Trevor Lawrence's replacement. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Malik Willis from Liberty at five. Matt Corral at six from Ole Miss. JT Daniels at seven. De'Eric King from Miami at eight. Bryce Young at nine. And Brock Purdy at ten. Notice no Keaton Slovis in this list, which is why I was absolutely floored by when I saw this list. He is better than most quarterbacks listed on here. I would say he's better than at least the top two. Or at least everybody except the top two. You could make an argument that he's better than everybody else on this list. And a very compelling argument as well. He's more accurate than any quarterback on this list. I think, other than Sam Howell, he's put up the best numbers out of these guys because he's played the most. Sam Howell has been this a two-year starter at North Carolina, put some great passing numbers. Ritter's been a three-year starter, but not a great, a very inconsistent passer. Great athlete from the quarterback position. You want If you're sculpting a quarterback, you'd sculpt Desmond Ritter, but inconsistent. We talked about that when we did our top 10 quarterback ratings for the 2022 NFL Draft. Which again, it's a different ratings. This is just players going into college football. Like DJ wouldn't be on there. Bryce Young wouldn't be on there. Derek King, he's a mystery player. I love Derek King. One of my favorite quarterbacks in college football. If you listen to Cole and Company at any point during the fall last year, there was a very high possibility that I was going to talk about Derek King and Miami Hurricanes football at some point throughout the show. Derek King was the only reason that offense was even bearable at times last year. They were not an insane offense. Derek King was awesome for Miami last year, and now he's coming off a torn ACL, which he heard against Oklahoma State. So I hope that he's back and fully healthy because he is an absolute treat to watch. You watched him at Houston. Amazing. And then he had that weird last year under Dana Hor- or, uh, Holgerson at Houston his last year. Opted out, eventually transferred after saying he's not transferring, which we knew was complete bullshit when he said it, because you don't opt out and then come back to the same exact situation the season later without any injury. You're transferring. We said we were at KULT at the time when he said that. And I was like, he's transferring. There's no way he's coming back. This is complete BS that he said that. There's a better chance that I go back to Houston or go to Houston than he has it coming back. And he's from there. But he went to Miami, loved the move, gives Miami a premiere, like, let's watch this guy. Gives him a guy that national TV audience will want to watch because he's a very fun player to watch. And he could be one of the dark horse Heisman candidates this year. Depends on how his knee is doing and how good Miami is as a whole. I don't know what expectations are looking like for Miami going into this season. I know expectations were decently high last year. But without Jalen Phillips there, obviously Greg Rousseau's not there anymore. I know he didn't play last year, but Jalen Phillips is gone. It'll be interesting to see what the Hurricanes do. Very interesting. I'm excited to see what they do, whether or not De'Eric King's healthy or not. If he's not, then I worry about them a little more than if he is healthy. You know, he's a great player. Bryce Young, we've talked about him at nauseum on this show. Dating back to last spring, a year ago we were talking about this guy and Mac Jones trying to figure out who would be the starting quarterback. I was all big advocate for Bryce Young, talking about how great of a quarterback he is, but kept saying, I made sure to preface this every single time we brought up Mac Jones and Bryce Young last year. Bryce Young 
is a lot more talented than Mac Jones. But Mac Jones did not do anything to lose the starting job from last season into this past season. That wound up getting him a national championship, led the nation passing yards, 15th overall draft pick, yada, yada, yada. It was a similar situation to that of Jake Fromm. Justin Fields comes in. Everybody knows Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Jake Fromm. It didn't take a genius to see that. But Jake Fromm didn't do anything to lose the starting job. Like Kelly Bryant at Clemson. He was not good at Clemson. He was getting carried by Clemson. Jake Fromm was elevating Georgia's offense. Kelly Bryant was not doing that. And Trevor Lawrence came in and rightfully beat him out. Justin Fields, great quarterback. A lot better than Jake Fromm. But Jake Fromm didn't lose the job. And Kirby Smart, the head coach, and the coaching staff in general, is going to have some loyalty towards some quarterbacks. Right, wrong, or otherwise, that's the situation you're in. It sucks. It's one of the hard parts of coaching, but that's why you're getting paid the money because you got to make these types of decisions. And Bryce Young, unlike Justin Fields and Jake Fromm, was coming in with a senior quarterback. Jake Fromm was a sophomore. Justin Fields was a freshman. It's a lot harder to bench a sophomore fresh off a national championship appearance than it is to nobody. <laughs> you know, you're not replacing anybody here. I mean, you are, but you're not challenging anybody. Bryce Young is the expected starter. He's been the expected starter since he decommitted from USC and went to Alabama. Like, he was either starting last year or this year. And this year, he's going to go off. He's the dark horse Heisman can. I know DJ is going to get a lot of attention because we've seen him play. The national audience has not seen Bryce Young play. DJ's played, what, he played three games? One against Notre Dame, which was a very exciting game to watch. And then, obviously, you saw with Trevor Lawrence and a lot of their key players back absolutely trounce Notre Dame when they played them again. But, man, the, the, the positioning of Keaton Slovis, and I know there's a lot of Cyclone fans that are in the state of Iowa, right? That Everybody knows that. There's a lot of Cyclone fans in the state of Iowa. There is no Cyclone fan out there. And I'm going to say this as unbiasedly as possible that can say Keenan, Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Keenan Slovis. There's not one. If there is, I'll slap them in the face. There's no quarter, no person can say that. I love Brock Purdy. I really like Brock Purdy as a quarterback and as a person. He seems like a really cool dude. Down-to-earth kind of guy. And Iowa State's got a very exciting team, and they should be competing for things this year, which is something I did not think I'd ever say five years ago. But now they're in that situation. And they're going to be competing a little bit more than what I would assume USC is, which, again, 10 years ago would sound absolutely crazy to say. But Keenan Slovis is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. That, that, that should go without saying, really, right? I'm not discrediting this page at all for putting Brock Purdy at 10. I think Brock Purdy at 10 is a right spot or a good spot for him. You can't put Keenan Slovis outside of the top 10. That's my problem with it. I'm not worried about Brock Purdy's placement on this list. I am concerned with Slovis's lack of placement on this list. I put him at number four as my quarterback coming in to next season's draft or next year's draft. And I could even argue at number three. Him and Malik Willis are two totally different quarterbacks, but he's had more game time than Malik Willis. I just think Malik Willis can do a lot more things. Brock Purdy and Keaton Slovis are not like Brock Purdy's not doing anything better than Keenan Slovis. 
Keenan Slovis is doing that more than Brock Purdy. He's a lot more accurate than Brock Purdy, which is a big thing. Now, Brock Purdy might be slightly more mobile, slightly. Neither one of them are barn burners at quarterback. I think Brock Purdy might be a little more mobile, but but to, to have Keenan Slovis outside of the top 10 is ridiculous to me. He's not worse than any quarterback on this list other than Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. Those are the only two quarterbacks that I will say he is worse than. Everybody else, I can make an argument he's better than. I can make an argument he's better than Malik Willis. I can make an argument that he's better than Desmond Ritter, DJ, Matt Corral, JT Daniels, Derek King, Bryce Young, Brock Purdy, and the other quarterbacks they left on the list that were not mentioned in this article, but they put in their little description on the their Instagram page where you could see other quarterbacks that missed out, like Michael Penix at Indiana, Bo Nix, Phil, Phil Yurkovic from Boston College, Dylan Gabriel from UF, UCF, who will put up monster numbers again this next season. Six-round draft pick, probably, if we're being honest. Spencer Sanders is another one. He had kind of a down year. And his numbers are probably going to dip a little bit again this year because they lost some very good people, Chubba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace and Tevin, Je- Tevin Jenkins, to be specific on big players they lost. Carson Strong wasn't on the list either. Jaden Daniels wasn't on the list, which I was very surprised about. Jaden Daniels and Keaton Slovis, as far as like college quarterbacks, we're talking about prospects. Sure, I would put Carson Strong higher than Jaden Daniels. But as a college quarterback, there's no way you can put Jaden Daniels out of the top 10. I refuse to believe that. I love watching Jaden Daniels play. If you've never watched Jaden Daniels play, the really only downside to him is how tiny he is. And I'm not talking height. He is skinny. He is generously listed at around 185. There's no way he does that. And I... I look at myself in the mirror, the mirror. I don't look at myself as like a very big person, even though I am. And I should probably, you know, understand that at this point, I weigh 220 pounds. When I look at guys out there and they say they weigh 170, you're like BS. There's no way I weigh 50 pounds more than you, but that's the reality of it. I don't feel like I'm a monster dude, but Jaden Daniels, I probably weigh 50 pounds more than him. That's crazy to me, but he's a lot more mobile. He's a lot better quarterback. He's probably has a lot more success with the ladies than I do as well. But beside the point, like other than the omission of Keaton Slovis, I don't really have a massive issue with this list. It's just that I was surprised to not see Keaton Slovis on this list. Usually you don't see him outside top five, let alone top 10. Regardless if you're listing quarterbacks for next year's draft, or just top 10 quarterbacks in general. I am very surprised that he was not on here. Like, if you're listening, college quarterbacks. Derek King has to be in the top 10. Top 10 quarterbacks for next year's draft. I don't know. We'll see how he does coming back from his ACL injury because there's not a better dual threat quarterback in this draft class than Derek King, other than Malik Willis. There's not none other compare. Desmond Ritter is bigger than both. Derek King and Malik Wills, but he can move. Very strong arm as well, just very inconsistent. Bryce Young's mobile. Brock Purdy, again, decently mobile. But yeah, I'm excited to see what like JT Daniels does because he's been hyped up since high school. 
He was the Gatorade Player of the Year. Everybody's talking about how great he was. Second ever true freshman quarterback to start for USC. And then he did absolutely nothing. And then the next season, Keaton Slovis comes in and lights up the scoreboards on everybody. Puts up monster numbers with the same exact team pretty much. And then JT Daniels transfers to Georgia, won four games, and then now we're throwing him at number one overall when you can't really pinpoint what he does better than Sam Howell or Spencer Rattler, just to name two. And even the old quarterback that he played against, Keaton Slovis, I don't know what he does better than him. So I don't know why we're listing him as a number one quarterback unless we're just going off the Sam Darnold treatment that this guy's good, he might not show it that much, but he is awesome. You just got to wait for it. Right situation. We don't know what the right situation is, but goddammit, when he gets in the right situation, he'll be the best quarterback out there. We don't know what we're looking for. And I think Sam Darnold has a great situation around him at this point in time. You look at the team the Panthers have, they're not going to make the playoffs. The division's too strong for that. Probably finished last in the division. But Sam Darnold has a place that he can grow, that he can develop, that he feels comfortable in or should feel comfortable in. Familiar coach, Matt Rule interviewed for the Jets job when Sam Darnold was there. Eventually went to Adam Gase. Robbie Anderson, familiar wide receiver. DJ Moore, one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Then you've got the best overall running back in the NFL. And I'm not, I don't care who comes at me, Christian McCaffrey. There's no quarterback's best friend, no player on a football field is a quarterback's best friend more than a pass-catching running back. That not only can pass-catch, but can make plays running the ball as well. Like, Christian McCaffrey is just is not just a pass catcher. That's what was expected of him when he was drafted 8th overall? When he got announced as a wide receiver? No. He is the best overall running back in the NFL. And I, I'll hear your arguments for Dalvin Cook, or Dalvin Cook. I didn't know why I said him first, but great running back. Just not at this level. I would hear more of Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, those guys. Christian McCaffrey is the best overall running back in the NFL, and I would put Alvin Kamara right behind him. Derrick Henry, you know what you're getting from Derrick Henry, and I don't want to dispute anything Derrick Henry and the greatness that Derrick Henry is, because like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, there's not a lot of players that can do what they do. Derrick Henry's just the size of a freaking linebacker playing running back, 6'3", 250, and can run people over, obviously, and can move very, very well, and it carries the Titans' offense. There's some very good running backs in the NFL. And I think that if I... Let's do this right now. I wasn't planning on doing this, but since we got on the topic of Chris McCaffrey and, you know, Sam Darnold and his development on what will help him the most, look at the best running backs in the NFL. So I would rank Chris McCaffrey number one, okay? I would probably rank Derrick Henry number two, then Alvin Kamara three, Saquon four when healthy, and Dalvin Cook, five. That was how I would probably rank the running backs right now. And then if you wanted me to continue outside of the top five, then you'd have to hear no order. Just how I'm scrolling down on ESPN right now. You would hear the likes of Nick Chubb. Maybe you could throw in a cream hunt there. Probably not, but Nick Chubb definitely has to be involved in that situation. Then you have got, keep scrolling down a little bit, Zeke could be mentioned in there. Aaron Jones should be mentioned in there. Great running back, very underrated running back. Then you've got Chris Carson, maybe. 
that's probably it. There's five really good running backs, like top tier. I, I you'll find most top five lists, and I would be you'd be hard pressed to find a list that does not include a top five that has McCaffrey, Henry, Kamara, Cook, and Barkley. I think that's your top five in any order you really want. But I don't think Chris McCaffrey can fall past two. <laughs> that's the only stipulation I have in this. McCaffrey cannot fall past two. I think my favorite running back in the NFL is Christian McCaffrey, but right behind him is Alvin Kamara. Because if you know me, and I've talked about this a lot on the show, LaDainian Tomlinson is my favorite football player of all time. I'm staring at two of his bobbleheads right now on my desk. I have three LaDainian Tomlinson jerseys. I have a LaDainian Tomlinson fathead in my old room. LT, yes, I said LT, not Lawrence Taylor, LaDainian Tomlinson, made me love football. So when I see running backs that can catch the ball, I will gravitate towards them more naturally. Again, when you're grading players, it's all about really what you prefer. Like you could prefer a stand-in-the-pocket quarterback more than a mobile quarterback, like Bill Polian. <laughs> you could be that. You could be Bill Polian and hate Lamar Jackson because he's not Peyton Manning. That is that's the strategy you got to look at because there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are Peyton Manning. But don't discredit Lamar Jackson just because he's not Peyton Manning. That's a similar thing with this. I'm not discrediting Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook or any of those run-first guys. And Dalvin Cook can make plays out of the backfield. Let's not get that twisted. I'm not saying he can't make plays out of the backfield. Just not as well as Chris McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. Those two are at a different level when it comes to making plays out of the backfield. And I think Travis Etienne will be up there eventually. Because like Urban Meyer said, and what Travis Etienne said, he's one of the best route runners in this draft class. And he's a running back. He is so underrated as a wide receiver, and I'm glad that kind of got brought up a little bit as we got close to the draft. Because dude worked at that every single year at Clemson. He kept coming back when people kept going, oh, he's probably going to leave, he's probably going to leave. Nope, he's back, he's back, he's back. And every year, he improved as a pass catcher. Insane. Insanity. Freaking crazy. And Najee Harris, again, he can catch the ball to the backfield as well. I think that's one thing that will probably hurt Brees Hall, along with the tread on the tires thing when he gets drafted next year. Because he'll probably fall in that same boat as Jonathan Taylor, which is not a bad thing. Jonathan Taylor, I didn't mention him. He's one of the better running backs in the NFL as well. Great rookie year. What did he finish? Top five in the league in rushing yards last year, right? Yeah, third in the league in rushing yards last year with 1,169 yards, LOL. Like, that's what Brees Hall is going to come in the league as. Doesn't get used in the pass game that much. And has a lot of carries. Jonathan Taylor, back-to-back 2,000-yard season, was drafted in the second round. Back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. The reason for that? There's no reason, really. Jonathan Taylor, if you want to look at stats and best college running back in that draft, it was him by a mile. But you look at the two running backs that were drafted before him. At least I think DeAndre Swift was drafted before him, if my memory serves me right. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift. What? is different to them than Jonathan Taylor. One, there's a lot more tread on the tires, quote-unquote tread on the tires. They didn't have as much carries. Two, they are a lot better receivers out of the backfield, a lot more natural receivers out of the backfield compared to Jonathan Taylor. I think that's a situation that Brees Hall could find himself coming into next year, which a lot of Iowa State fans will be very upset about. And I get it. Dude is a beast of a running back, one of the best running backs in college football, one of the greatest Iowa State football players of all time. And he's not even done yet. Dude's great. 
And this is coming from an Iowa fan that went to UNI. So I'm biased as you can get, I guess. I'm trying since I went to UNI and William Penn, since I really didn't go to the University of Iowa, I found myself kind of loosening my what do you want to call it? Loosening my restraints, I guess. That's not probably the best way to describe it, but I'm not bitter about the Cyclones anymore. I could care less about Iowa State. I don't really hate them. I will analyze them fairly. That was one of the things I got upset about on some of the shows I did was like, they're so biased. And I had to like convince, like we got to talk unbiasedly about this. And I think just doing radio also helped me with that, that I got to be a little less biased and things. I'll be biased a shit ton. I'm not saying I'm not biased. Like you hear me cry about the Jets all the time. Like, of course I'm biased. <laughs> of course I'm biased about Josh Allen. Of course I'm biased about our team. We talked about this on Wednesday. Everybody's biased to their team to a certain extent. Now, I'm not saying go in and defend them guns blazing. That's just idiotic. Don't do that. Have reasoning behind why you're defending them. There's some things that teams do that's undefendable, and you have to call them out for it. You have to. You can't just praise every single little thing your team does. I think not going to Iowa really helps me with that because I think if I went to Iowa, I don't think I would be talking like I am right now. Like, I love Brees Hall. I like Brock Purdy a lot. I like Charlie Kohler a lot. I think Iowa State's got a very good chance to be something this year. Now, will they pull in Iowa and have a great year one year and then finish average the next year? Iowa had a very bad habit of doing that in the mid to early 2000s. Went to the Orange Bowl and went 8-5 and five the next year. Like, is Iowa State going to do that? I hope not. They're as talented. No, they're not. I wouldn't say they're as talented as that Iowa team. Because, yeah, a lot of really good players on that team. Ricky Stanzi, I would argue, is better than Brock Purdy. I would say Adrian Claiborne's better than a lot of defenders they have, which is not saying anything bad. Adrian Claiborne's a first-round draft pick and is still playing in the NFL. So, there's a lot of very good players on both teams. The wide receiver core, DJK, Marvin McNutt, Tony Moyaki, like, Tony Moyaki had a decent NFL career for a little bit. Man, Iowa State's got a fun team. I'm excited to see what they do this year, and I'm excited to see what expectations are as we get closer and closer to the college football season. I'll look at their schedule real quick, because I haven't really looked at Iowa State's schedule for this upcoming season. I haven't literally looked at Iowa's either, but let's look at Iowa State's for next year. So we got UNI, Iowa, two win, two games they should win. I mean, they should beat Iowa easily. They, I had some of my friends that are Iowa fans Talk about, oh, I wish we got Iowa State this year. No. You watched Spencer Petras play, right? You watched Iowa try to play offense, right? Like, you you gotta, you can't. No. I am not wanting that game. And I'm hoping a year under the tutelage of Brian Ferentz, because, you know, Petras was a, it was a true freshman season last year. So, you know, very inexperienced quarterback. True freshman season, yeah. Crazy, I know. Looks like a three-year player, though. It's like he's been there for three or four years, doesn't it? I mean, you wouldn't think it. <laughs> I don't. You don't need to start. In co- you gotta have college quarterbacks that go in and play right away. Those happen. Johnny Manziel did that, won the Heisman. Jameis Winston did that, won the Heisman. I'm not saying Peters needs to win the Heisman. 
but you've been in this system for three years now. It's not like it's some foreign system like Derek King was going into in Miami. I'm not getting into that. This just feels like we're doing an old show again, doesn't it? Repetitive. Bitching about the same things I always do. <laughs> but yes, they should beat you and I. They should beat Iowa. Should beat UNLV. That'll be a fun game. It's at the Raiders Stadium, but that'll be a fun game to watch. Should beat Baylor. Should beat Kansas. Should beat Kansas State. Oklahoma State will be tough, but that's at home, so they should beat them. Should beat Va Tech, but that's on the road, so surprising upset. There's going to be one or two of those. I mean, every team has one of those. Texas should beat Texas. It's at home. Texas Tech should beat Texas Tech. Alan Bowman just transferred, so interesting things about their quarterback going into this season. Uh, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma, probably be a loss, and then it should beat TCU. So what, 10-2? and two? And that's an even questionable loss to West Virginia. That's not even like a guaranteed thing. That's just like that one random loss. It's on the road. Morgantown's a tough place to play. I watched a lot of Virginia Tech football growing up. Watched them play Pitt a lot. It's a tough place to play. But 10 and 2, 11 and 1, I think that's, <laughs> I think that reaches some expectations. Now, I don't think they'll be going to a natty or anything. I don't think that's going to happen, but they could. They could. I'm fully expecting, like, Alabama, Clemson to be up there. They got, you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Oh, man, wow. No one would have expected this college football playoff. This is so much better than the BCS system. <laughs> We've had the same final, like, the past 10 years, whenever this stupid thing first started. Then we had random Oregon, Washington. That was weird. Jake Browning, J uh, John Ross. Weird times. Oregon might sneak into it this year. I don't know. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be trying to win the Heisman this year, so we'll see if he actually can manage to do that. North Carolina might sneak into it this year. Probably not, but they could. But yeah, college football is fun. It's creeping up, and I am excited for it. And we will start doing, as we wrap up today's show, we're going to start doing some like weekly rankings, like weekly positional rankings. So we might start for next year's draft. For the draft. Not for college football in general, just for the draft. So you won't see no DJs. You won't see no Bryce Youngs. Probably just top fives. It's easier to edit a top five than a top ten, in my humble opinion. But yeah. That's what I've got for you today, and I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, yeah. Have a great weekend, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you all later. Peace. <laughs>